You're listening to BAU, Business as Unusual, the podcast that speaks to the people behind the movements, organisations and ideas that are shifting the way we think, interact and transact. He's a moment collector and G's collected a lot of moments over the years. But we're not here for Gary. No, we're not here for Gaza. We're We're going to talk about other things. We're going to talk about other things. Um, We're here for you, actually, Joe. We're here for you. Your thoughts, your strategies, and, and your and your crystal ball. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think we've been we've been chatting a fair bit, haven't we? That kind of doing doing a podcast and starting to get trying to get something off the ground during during COVID. I think you know, there's been a few, I guess, recurring themes, hey, Patty, that have that have come through our guests, and then also just the process of actually getting guests at, at the moment, and kind of how. Um, discombobulated the world actually seems sometimes so you know we thought kind of leading into into season two and getting into it proper is that there's a demarcation point between what was pre-covid and what is post-covid and it's not to say that the world is changed because arguably it hasn't but there's really kind of things that definitely have shifted in terms of kind of how these conversations are constructed, what concepts around community actually still stay, and what are the um, you know the kind of impacts, particularly on organizations that are embedded in culture, and I think that's kind of an interesting thing for us to chat about before we get into the next um, next tranche of guests. I think you've hit the nail on the head. When I was sitting back and thinking about this conversation, it just does feel like the tectonic plates have shifted, and hmm. we. It, things are still in a state of flux and it's a good chance for us to just think about, as you say, where we've come personally with BAU and then um, into the future what we want to talk about and who we want to talk about and how we want to frame those conversations because we've had some really great guests and talk about their past lives and how they've gotten to where they've gotten. But I think now leading into it, it is what is the story that we want to tell leading into the future and, and it's a future that I think is going to be fought with narrative and it's going to be interesting hearing what people are pushing for in their spheres and what change they want to make. You know, I think you you kind of clocked this a lot earlier than I did, is that the shift in in narrative is actually, it's really, really important to, to focus on and in that narrative has actually become more important. So, you know, doing a lot of a lot of this over the last few months is that we actually haven't been, I mean, we haven't quite often been able to be together. Um, our guests, we haven't been able to be with them. But what has actually shifted through all of that is that because there's not those physical cues of picking up the actual conversation itself, you actually have to listen much more to actually what the person is actually saying because there aren't those same um, visual cues to actually be able to support the communication. It's true. It's true. So it's been its own challenges, but it's definitely opened up its own doorway for better listening, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully better listening, because I think that's what we need. We're, we've landed in a place that's very polarized. And the other thing that I really wanted to chat about in this, in this episode and give us a chance to reflect on is what are some of the things that we can affect change on? So the, the tagline for the podcast, as you all so well know, is um, we chat to the people behind the movements, organizations and businesses that are changing the way we think, interact and transact. But I wanted to verse that with what is changing the way we think, interact and transact and mm-hmm. where is that opportunity going to happen in the future? So where can we see that where people, change agents can affect that change versus where we're sort of being 
coerced. I didn't want to get too deep around the algorithmic impacts on our lives. I think we've done that a little bit in the podcast, but it's it's definitely an interesting playing field and it just goes back to that, I think, narrative, understanding narrative, and it is a battle for narrative at the moment. You see that in politics over in the US um, and they're not even in the same sphere um, when they're talking. It is too absolute separate narratives going off in different directions if you could get it visually they're nowhere near each other and the bubbles within don't even interact and i was listening to something yesterday and they were talking about um talking about how they there's no simple fact sheet no one runs in politics no one runs off one simple sort of um set of or a set of facts to then argue for and against or different opinions against it is literally too polarizing narratives that don't even interact and which reality you're in is where it determines how you think and feel yeah yeah and it's you know this this thing that you know we kind of talk about a fair bit is you know there's there's algos versus attitude and you know i think that what has really struck me through most of the guests that we've actually um been with is that there's a sense of decency and a sense of actually that there's two sides that they can see to the actual issue that they're discussing whereas an algorithm no matter how well that's actually put together no matter how versed it actually is it is not human in that it can't see that there's another viewpoint and to me that's what you know this kind of this this divisiveness that is actually coming through through society and this idea that you know patty as you just spoke to is that better listening is actually it's a it's a decency thing and it's about actually being able to sit back no matter what the person across from you is actually necessarily saying sometimes whether you agree with it whether you don't i think from a cultural perspective this kind of this discourse and kind of what people are actually doing with things is that you know certainly as we kind of you know the next tranche of guests that we work through is that it's about exploring that and how that's actually challenging the ability to craft narrative and be able to actually talk about community when people, um, their baseline for that is becoming more and more um, narrow through the actual kind of algorithms that they're exposed to. I think you've painted that picture very well, the, the foreign verses and, and the things that we can affect and the things that are affecting us in the way that we work as a community and, and embrace difference. We don't want to get too singular because, as we know, harking back to Beck Scott, um, if you get too singular, your ecosystem's going to really struggle and that's when you get coral bleaching. Yeah, and that, that notion that you know Beck really spoke very eloquently about is that you know we've got to keep pushing the way that kind of, um, you know, I guess community and causes can actually become more um, embedded and kind of look at different ways to actually create those transactions inside inside community. And I certainly think, you know, um, you know, Beck was talking a lot when we spoke to her at the start of the pandemic about, you know, kind of looking at how she could take on things like kind of food security and actually be able to kind of ensure that communities had access to, you know, um, fresh food. And, you know, through through COVID, what's really interesting to me is that that discussion is is not even there at the moment around actually what's what's the true kind of long term term effect. I mean, some commentators will talk about it around this kind of notion of the, the great acceleration. But really what they're actually saying is that it's a it's a further polarization. So those that have have more and those that did not have less mm. and that's something i think you know in terms of how um people who are actually looking to change that that is absolutely the biggest dynamic in the future that they're going to actually have to take on is that how do you address that when 
really kind of less and less people have more and more versus the kind of mass that actually ends up with less and less. And that's certainly th something that I think is going to be a key theme um, during the next set of interviews that we do. For sure. I think it is going to be. And then on that note, um, it'll be really interesting to hear how, how our next guests tackle that and, and listening to the commentators about how how you do face those challenges and looking back into history and see how society has tackled monopolies and and just top end power top end just sucking it all up and there has been um, instances where institutions have been broken up and that is when a new wave of um, understanding a new way of conducting ourselves in a community in a society um, really opens up the floodgates and that's narrative I'd like to share um, but it's obviously a one that is in the future and hasn't happened and that's why we're sort of here what are some of the possible futures that we can sort of see from now or just imagine into it? I think imagination is so key to open up our horizons to what can possibly be whether it be for better or worse I think um, it's a good thing often one book um, science fiction will take you down one road yeah but there's there's several that you can go down yeah and these these future states that we're possibly looking at i mean to me the the part that is worth always holding on to is where we live and the notion of the values that actually we one we i think you know are embedded in a place like australia but then also how the community responds to those and to me, that's that's a key part of framing framing the future is that, you know, Australia really is is grounded about low proximity or kind of low distance to power. So this this notion that, um, you know, if I saw, um, well, maybe not if I saw Dan Andrews at the moment, but if I saw ScoMo at the beach, for example, you know, there's kind of shots of people just kind of, you know, having a beer with their with their prime minister and the fact that we actually call him ScoMo. But yet what is happening and continues to happen during um, this reset that we're going through is that that um, the one, the ability to do that has gone. So it's, you know, you're not going to run into that person at, at, at the beach anymore because you're going to be socially distanced and you're not going to come up, take that selfie moment and say, say cheers, which I think is is really interesting. So how does that work when you don't connect? With, with people in the way that you actually actually did and really what is what is happening I think in a in a digital world is that it's all about the network that you're in so it's it's actually even worse arguably this this future that we look at in terms of that um, you know it used to be that if you knew the journalist you could get your story out whereas now it's unless you're in the network to begin with no one's actually interested. And so I think that, you know, from, from guests that we have that are actually trying to enact change, it's their ability to do that when they're actually disconnected through technology to enact it. Well done. That's, uh, it, you've painted that landscape, I think. A few less photos with ScoMo is probably the better from my perspective. <laughs> yeah. But I yeah. see what you're saying in terms of just that utilitarian image that gets broadcast all around and people feel like they can participate whether it is gomo or another public figure and they feel like they can be very much a part whereas now with the with the covid environment hovering over us globally <clears throat> we're not doing that at all and, and it's yeah it would look like an attack if someone came charging after you with a, with a yeah. camera face the way yeah. to try and get well, it. That's, I, but it's the it's the imagery it's the yeah. imagery and what it actually what it actually suggests so you know i think that that to me is that you know even in culture so if you're going to go back into you know a gallery space or if you're kind of doing a fundraising thing 
so much of that now is blended and it's digital, but it's actually that the access is not equal. It just simply isn't by by definition. It's not that you can just walk into this institution that everyone can actually walk into. There is a different barrier when you bring technology. It's proximity. To it. Yeah, there's a skill, right? Yeah, across yeah. across the board, you nailed that. That is proximity. Proximity. Um, yeah. What do you think then digitally in terms of being able to cross that and try and why we still have that those memories of taking photos with Skoma on those romantic holidays wherever he is escaping um, the fires that happen here in Oz. Maybe you're in Hawaii. Um, where do you think those moments are going to happen online? Is there that opportunity to say, let's go take it down a notch and just cultural institutions trying to connect or um, people just trying to share a message but trying to share it inclusively? I think it becomes it becomes more di- more difficult because by by its very nature there's a step to involvement, and then the the um, I use this analogy often um, in my professional life around the kind of you know like the, the symbols of kind of um, uh, everyone's equal in in Australia, and one of those, for example, is like things like the sausage sizzle. So that you know can be at Bunnings, but equally it can be at your kind of community. You know, it can be your surf lifesaving club. It can be kids trying to raise money to go on a trip, right? That all completely goes out the window in a in a situation like this because you know, I mean, you can't necessarily do that in the current way that we're actually operating, and that's not going to come back for for a while. And so then, therefore, what happens in those spaces is therefore to raise funds. There's a there's another layer that's actually involved in it. It's not just as simple as me going up and saying, "Here's here's your two dollars." get my sausage, walk away in a very simple transaction. It's actually now that there's a digital layer to that that actually involves skill, knowledge, and a network that's actually supporting it. So those who have the biggest network win, right? And that's that's what I that's what I really fear is that these these little ideas and these little things that kind of pop up and get support, even people playing music in the street, that is much more difficult. And that actually has an effect around the way that we actually view where we live. Right. I mean, one of the great things I think about, you know, Melbourne, for example, is a city that is quite different than a lot of other cities is the amount of actual live music that's played on the street and the amount of busking that is actually one permitted. But two is actually it's they've set up, they've set it up. And so now it's going to be that these are going to be confined to 14 different spaces that are activated. But again, that's a form of exclusion because it's not like you're just going to randomly run into it. It's that you actually have to know about it, and then you actually have to have the wherewithal to figure out how I'm going to deal with the protocols to actually experience it. You're listening to BAU, Business as Unusual, the podcast that speaks to the people behind the movements, organisations and ideas that are shifting the way we think, interact and transact. Your hosts, Patrick Beggs of Per Production a production house that works with organisations to create media that strengthens culture and communicates that culture to the world. And Joe Rogers, CEO of The Contenders, a brand agency famous for crafting brands which deliver results for those who work for them, shop for them and support them. For more information, head to baupod.co. And if you find this podcast insightful, please help us by telling a friend and rating us on iTunes. Thank you. Now back to our conversations. And so when do you, you feel like, oh, I'm getting the sense from you that you feel like the, the COVID cloud's going to last for a lot longer than even if a vaccine comes, even mm. after just the fear and the trauma of, of something coming 
and and affecting our our lives so dramatically, our economy, everything so much yeah. that it will carry forward, and we will carry these norms. Into Personally, the yes, I yeah. I feel you know any, I mean it's just even if you look back through history, right? I mean, Patty, like it's you know you look back on every kind of major major um, event like this you know, all the way back to the kind of bubonic plague is that there's always there's always um, things that happen around a pandemic or something that even if it becomes endemic. So, you know, you look you only have to look at the AIDS crisis, for example, to go that that was something that actually changed sexual behavior. So and that has had a natural lasting outcome. So we sit here and we're like, oh, yeah, we're going to have a vaccine in, in a year and a half. But there's a lot of things that go that go with that. There's, you know, okay, well, who gets it first? How does that actually then affect society? Um, who has access next? How does that affect society? And, you know, Australia becoming even f- arguably further closed off to the world for the next little while. But then there's still a club, isn't there? There's the the ones who have the vaccination, the ones who actually don't. So that, again, is, is ex- ex- exclusion in, in, some, in some way. It's that there's a step to be involved in everyday life. And that's the part that I think a lot of people don't think about when it comes to the future of what this actually means. I think you're right. I haven't given that enough thought of it all, Joe. You're painting a pretty bleak picture, though, um, which I think it, it is going to be for the next couple of years. But the one thing that I always hark back to is it was the father of like what is positive psychology, um, I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. It was called Man Search for Meaning. Terrible title. Um, uh, it was written in the Auschwitz camp I, um, by a I, Jewish psychologist. I don't know. We'll have to put that in the in the liner. Anyway, yeah. his whole argument is you can't steal hope. And as soon as hope's taken away from you, that's when you lose. You lose form. You literally lose I agree. form. Yeah. So off the back of that bleak note, we're going to be chatting to some very passionate people who have in the past affected positive change on whatever level it could be small large medium Hmm. depending on who it is and what they're pushing for on this notion that the future is going to be very exclusive Hmm. what channels what avenues do you feel that they should be pursuing right now to Hmm. continue their great work yeah well i i think it's you know it's I guess it is when you when you frame it the way way that I have there's there's another response to that which is that seeing the problem allows you to push against the problem and that's that's you know for for me that's why I always take hope in is that if you can see something you know and that's part of the, part of the challenge for example with issues like climate is that people don't see the full sphere of the problem until they do and when they do they actually start to act on it so I mean I think you know your point is absolutely spot on is that Hope is one of those things that is, is innately human. The ability to actually kind of look at something no matter what the circumstance and still have the desire to change it. And, you know, I think for me, what, what, I've, what I've found probably not difficult, but eye-opening through COVID is that it's the people haven't seen the bigger picture yet of actually what this, what this means. So I think part for me is about talking about that bigger picture and then allows you to act within it so it's you know even the the notion that this is just a thing that you know we're going to get a vaccine for and everything's going to go back to normal if you look at it through the lens of well it's probably going to at least leave some legacy of that fact that the world is 
more digital, right? Even if you just stay with that, then that's actually something you can act on. Because if you are working in community issues and you're trying to take things on, you can. You can look at it and go, okay, well, if I want to get my sausage sizzle back up and running, how do I actually do that in a way that is actually, you know, I want it to be for everyone. So how do I do that? And those are, I think, are much more positively framed questions and just going, oh, we just have to wait till we get a vaccine and things will be right. Very true. Now, um, so on that note, do you think, how do you see media landscape, your work, um, communicating, obviously entrenched in a network yourself, so you're fortunate about that. Mm -hmm. But how do you see new developments of communicating messages? Do you just see, obviously, it's going to be a lot more digital, it's going to be all digital, Mm -hmm. maybe a few banners in the air that no one reads, Mm -hmm. Um, heads down, bum up? Yeah, it's... I mean, I think I think it's you know kind of part part of that is you know the stuff that you know you're really kind of looking at. I think, you know, around kind of this notion in your work, Patrick, between kind of you know community and data and being able to kind of allow a narrative to actually kind of establish itself that um, isn't just solely numbers and isn't just solely kind of opinion. And you know, the the communication I think is is, I mean, it's so in- fragmented. You know, at the moment, but yet it isn't. When you actually kind of look look in, I mean, I think it's now that um, I, you know, I think they came out um, with the competition committee the other day that eighty four percent of um, digital advertising is controlled by three companies, for for example. But we've always we've always had that. We've always had three papers. We've always had this. We've always had that. I I think to me, if you know, kind of change makers, when you look at it, is that it's difficult unless you actually bring in contention to get your message to have traction, right? So like even with our podcast, for example, like we've both looked at this and gone, we actually want to take a patient approach. We actually want to listen and we actually want to try to understand what people are saying um, rather than kind of go for the for the verticality of trying to kind of address address an issue and get popular overnight. Right? And that's, you know, you can take that tact if you if you want to. But I think the the thing that I'm most hopeful for is that the calmness um, of people wanting to receive a message that is actually well-rounded. I mean, I'm not sure if you see that in your work, but I, I certainly hope that, you know, there's this combination between data and community actually allows for a calmer message to be delivered. Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head. That's definitely where I've been having my nose in the in the last since lockdown um, and before, and just understanding how how to communicate something collectively, but produce a product that speaks to that that collectiveness. Um, and on that note, and harking back to what you were saying before, I think about it getting quite singular and exclusive. I suppose I've been also open source is getting really big. Bonds in companies are getting really big. Different ways of supporting organizations that people feel that they are part of and i think companies are now trying to figure out ways to to support themselves sustain themselves but also make the consumer feel like they're part of that and sort of open it up and i suppose that continues on that trend of exclusiveness because if you're part of it then you're part of it if you're not you're not um but it still i think opens up the the platform say for open open source communicate or open source platforms definitely have their, their their struggles, but it allows people to tangibly interact in the community, continue to learn and feel like they're actually doing something to affect something that they're using today. Yep. So it's a little, it's not as polished, but it's, it's, it's closed in terms of the data that's being used. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, it's, it's transparent, 
So the models that it's communicating, sort of broadcasting, if you will, to what it is, is there for change. And I feel like it's slowly just poking a few holes um, for new things to come through. Yep. But going back to, you know, yeah, being able to collect it collect that data and be able to communicate it um, and then also be able to just ask the right questions that's anything with data you can have a ridiculously big set of um, data but unless you know the right question to ask of it you're not going to get the answer you want so no. I think you painting that picture of of the legacy of, of COVID our dear friend with the pointy pointy spikes yeah yeah uh, and it you know and it, it's yeah, and it's, you know, this notion that I think the the last part to kind of unpack is then, you know, as we're kind of talking um, a bit about off air is that then it becomes the role of government. So kind of government now, you know, in terms of kind of, you know, we've we've lived through an era which has been really, it's been an attack on kind of government in terms of that it's, you know, the smaller it is, the better it is. The less it does, the more it does, um, you know, and kind of the less we actually kind of are taxed or kind of um, and in any way supporting anyone else, the better off we are. And this through kind of COVID, what's, what I'm really struck by is kind of that government is now actively involved in so many different things, really kind of, you know, keeping keeping a, a, a nation afloat. And then the changes that are actually starting to come through and how they view their role, you know, in, in all of that. And I certainly think, you know, in terms of how that's going to play out, I think, you know, particularly in a kind of um, for-purpose space is going to be another interesting area, right? Well, 100%. I think if we can, if we can pique the interest of, of a lot of people about the way government interacts with you in our communities and I suppose dust off the old the old thoughts that the it's just continuing on steamrolling in this neoliberal way for the last 40 years um, I think there's a real chance that that's where things are going to change well really that's where things have to change I agree um, that's where they have to change that's where breakups have to change that's where yeah real innovation in policy has to come from to allow people to have equal the playing field on a certain level um and communicate that and just get that across but how we do that i think is going to be interesting and we're going to chat to the next next couple of guests that are really going to i think enlighten us on some strategies and and tacks that they've taken in the past and they think they should take into the future to really um first of all get that awareness happening get that education happening and then get action happening this this process is to something happening um that you really want to get going yeah no for sure and it's you know that's that's the hope isn't it i think you know is that what arguably has to occur is that all of these things actually have to have to intersect so this kind of you know do we actually accept that we want a society that is as um i guess kind of um disconnected from one one another and then also disconnected from you know the only home we all have you know and kind of you know certainly the the you know my kind of you know one program that stuck with me out of kind of um COVID is the is the attenborough kind of documentary with his kind of witness statement but equally, when you see around, there's, it is actually the future is actually addressing this and actually what is going to create jobs, what is actually going to get us out of this is really that, that thought. And this is certainly something, you know, I would like to explore with the next set of guests is how does our world and our society and our institutions all actually have to kind of come together. And I certainly think, you know, that comes back to this idea of, you know, how are we actually going to change the way that things actually work? Thank you for listening to BAU Business as Unusual. Subscribe and learn more at baupod.co. That's baupod.co.